July. So happy Independence Day, everybody. Woo, yeah. This is the day when we here in the United States of America celebrate our freedom, the freedom that we have uh, in the United States of America. And I still believe with all of our bumps and bruises and questions and concerns and everything else that's happening in our country today, I still am convinced, more than convinced, that this is the greatest country in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But you know, for us as Christians, uh, it goes even a step further. Because it's one thing to be an American and to celebrate the freedom that we have as, as citizens of the United States of America. But when, when you begin to, to add in this idea of being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, having put our faith and our hope and our trust in Christ, this whole concept of freedom and living in freedom goes to a whole new level, doesn't it? I mean, this, listen, here's the deal. This book, the Bible, is a book about freedom. That when you read the pages of this book, what you discover is this is, this is, a, this is a journey, an adventure, a story of God loving humanity so much that when he looked down at us in all of our sinfulness and our bondage, we were not free. We were bound, the Bible says, to sin. That when God looked down at, at humankind in our state of being in bondage to sin, he looked down and he said, I love my people. I love the fallen sinful humanity too much to let them continue and remain in that state. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come and to live a sinless, perfect life for 33 years and then die on a cross as payment for you and I, so that you and I could know what it is to be truly free. And not just to be free, but to live free. That, that the very essence of, of who we are would change when we put our faith in Christ, and that once our, the essence of who we are has changed when we become a follower of Jesus, then suddenly the way we live begins to change as well. So this morning during our time together, I, I want to, us to look and examine this idea of what it means to live free. I want us to, to talk about this idea of living free. If you have your bulletin, I would love for you to pull it out. We've got some fill in the blanks there. You can follow along. If you brought your Bible, I would love for you to turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9 is where we're going to hover in those two chapters today. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9 because uh, those... Though they were written, the book of 1 Corinthians was actually written as a letter from the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament of the Bible. And he was writing a letter to, regarding your question about food, food that has been offered to idols. Yes, we know that we all have knowledge about this issue. Okay, time out. What's going on here? Basically this. The, the, the believers, the Christians in Corinth, had been asking Paul some questions. Because uh, they were, once they had put their faith in Christ and became Christians, they were, they were looking at some of this other stuff. And, and so there were, there were some customs of the day. There were some things that they wanted to do but weren't real sure about. And, and so as they started to grow, as they started to mature in their faith, all of a sudden they, they started to understand more. Their knowledge base started to grow. And Paul, so they're, they're asking Paul about food that's been sacrificed to idols, to, for idol worship. Worship of something other than God. And, and so basically, here's where they were at. They were basically saying, okay, we understand that when we were first, you know, saved, when we first became Christians, that we probably shouldn't be eating food 
you know, sacrifice to idols. But now, now that we've learned more, now that we've got more understanding, more knowledge, now that we've, God's given us, and we'll later see this phrase, supreme knowledge. Like they were, they were like, no, 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 man, we got it all figured out now. So we can do whatever we want. We're free. In Jesus, we're free. We can do whatever we want, right, Paul? That's what they're writing to him to say. Can, can we just indulge in whatever we want to indulge in because we're free? And so he, he goes on, and he says, look at this next part of verse 1. While knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. He says, okay, listen, you guys are growing in your knowledge. You guys are going deeper. You guys are being fed spiritually, yes. But I want you to understand something. When it comes to how you live your life, when it comes to the decisions you make, when it comes to your freedoms or your liberties, there's more going on than just the acquisition of more and more and more knowledge. At the end of the day, he says, that, that which will strengthen a local church, that, will, that which will make us strong, Christians, is not more knowledge, it's actually love. And maybe some of us have felt that way. Let me speak to the Christians for a moment. If you've been walking with God for some time, there's a good chance that at some point in your life, you, you've heard the thought or you've said out loud, I, I, I want to go deeper. I want to be fed more. I need more. Like, okay, look, there, watch, this is so important. There is this temptation for us as Christians to believe that more and more knowledge means that we're a better and better Christian. That we, we can somehow start to believe that, that the deeper we are, the more knowledgeable we are, the better Christian we are. And Paul writes and he says, listen, you can't measure your spirituality that way. That the way to measure our spirituality is not with the acquisition of more knowledge. In fact, let me say this. Never has it been easier in the American church for us to gain knowledge. I mean, my goodness, if you want deeper, if you want more knowledge, just go onto iTunes under podcasts and search Christianity. You will find the best Bible teachers, the deepest, most knowledgeable Bible teachers in the world to feed you. The truth is you and I could get fed with more and more knowledge, more and more knowledge, more knowledge, 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 and learn, 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 deeper, deeper, deeper. We could get fed seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 and one quarter days a year. And, and it, there'd still be more content. There'd still be more knowledge to acquire. And the danger for us as Christians is that as we mature, we start to judge our spirituality by the amount of knowledge we're taking in. But the Apostle Paul says that's not what it means to live free. That living free means love more than knowledge. That it's, that it's how we live in relationship, Paul says, that matters. It's how we love one another in the local church. Did you, did you know that the primary purpose of the local church is not knowledge uh, dissemination? This is fun and this is great, and I'll be honest with you, I kind of enjoy this. But this is not the primary purpose of the local church. The primary purpose of the local church is relationship. We can get knowledge on the internet. 
We can go to conferences. We can read books. We can listen to CDs till we're blue in the face. We can, we, can, we, can, we can get knowledge anywhere. What we can only get in the local church setting like this is love and relationship. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, don't miss the point here, guys. Just because you've been set free doesn't mean that we're free to just devour, devour, consume, consume, knowledge, knowledge, feed, feed, deeper, deeper, me, me, me. No, 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 no. He says, no. There's something greater going on, and the greater thing going on is love. So he continues on from there, and in, he gives us a second uh, idea about this idea of living free. Number two, living free, according to the Bible, means leading with the way we live our lives. Leading with the way we live our lives. In verse 9 of chapter 8, he, he takes it a couple verses later. He says this in verse 9, look. You, he's back to the whole eating the food thing. You must be careful so that your freedom, look at this, he hits this relational deal, does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. In other words, he's saying this, he's saying, okay, you guys are saying that you've received so much knowledge and awareness that you can go into idol temples and consume their food and totally be cool. That's your freedom, that's your liberty, you're totally fine. What Paul says is, you have to recognize that how you live your life is influencing others all of the time. Now, of course, it's easy for us to read this and talk about eating food sacrificed to idols and sort of like go, okay, I'm not sure I gather the relevance. Let me see if I can put this in today's terms. Drinking. Does the Bible say that it is a sin to drink alcohol? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Is it even wrong to drink, according to the Bible? I don't think so. I, don't, I, think, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find Scripture to prove that Jesus didn't drink. Listen to last week's message. When you and I come into relationship with Christ, we are made free. And that freedom brings with it, watch this, complete liberty, freedom. We are absolutely free. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. We are free. But what Paul is writing here to the Corinthian church, and I believe what God would say to us in the American church today on the 4th of July is this. Just because you can do something doesn't necessarily mean you should. And so for them, it was this food sacrifice to idols thing. For us, as Christians in the year 2010, I, I think it looks like a, any number of other areas. And of course, I threw out the drinking thing, and don't hear what I'm not saying here, uh, but I think there are any number of different areas where, where I think the Apostle Paul, and I think ultimately the Lord would say, you've got to recognize that the way you live your life speaks louder than anything you could possibly say to anyone around you. He goes on in verse 10. Talking about the food thing, right, the deal. This, this liberty that was theirs, that they could if they wanted to. He says, for if others see you with your superior knowledge 
eating in the temple of an idol, look at this, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience? If, if, to the person with a weaker conscience about this whole idol thing, to the, to the new believer who's just coming out of that, if they see you, a mature Christian, engaging in that activity, they're liable to start thinking that then I guess that's okay. And look at verse 11. So because of your superior knowledge, Paul's about to drop the hammer, a weak believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. He says that it's possible to do harm to those brothers and sisters that we are in relationship with. With our freedoms. That we as Christians have to always be conscious of how we are living our life. Because Paul would say, somebody's always watching. In any number of areas. And again, I threw out the drinking thing just to kind of get you going. Um, <clears throat> there is, in the profession I'm in, there is a move in my generation, the 30-somethings on down, toward a, a freedom to swear. <gasps> that there are people who do what I do, who have found their freedom in Christ to use certain levels, if you can even levelize it, of profanity while preaching. Is it a sin? No, I don't think it is. It, here's, here's the question I use. In, in any of these areas, so maybe you're thinking of an area right now in your life. I don't know what that is. If it doesn't, if it doesn't edify somebody else, if it doesn't encourage, if it, 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 here's the phrase we use around here all the time, is life-giving. Is my behavior life-giving to someone, to someone else? Does it, does it edify, does it build them up? Is, the, is this life-giving? I guess I'll just kind of go there. In terms of the whole drinking thing, I don't drink. I've never, Sarah and I've never drank. We just, we just have never, that's just, I think I can have more fun with Mountain Dew. Um, <laughs> and remember it all. <clears throat> of course, then you get the people who kind of condemn you with those looks when you, you know, drink a Diet Mountain Dew, and they're like, shut up! Wait till I add the Smarties to it. Now what? Now what? Pray for me. Who do you think you are? <laughs> um... Here's, here's why. My wife and I have chosen, we just don't drink. Um, number one, I, again, I think I can have more fun without it. I, I'll go toe-to-toe -to -toe with anybody on a fun meter. 
in terms of alcohol. Number two, um, I don't know what I'd say to the 10-year-old little girl whose dad is an alcoholic and mom had to move out with her because the dad was abusive while consuming alcohol if she saw me with a beer. I'm not sure what I say to that little girl. Because I don't think she can, in her mind, differentiate the two. Does that make sense? That, that's what Paul's talking about. Am I telling you that you need to, no, 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 no. Listen, you have to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, the Bible says. That's, this, because, again, this is not black and white. This is not sin. He's talking about the freedoms. He's talking about the liberties. He's talking about the gray areas for all of us. Everything is possible, but not everything is profitable, Paul says. So I think that means that we, who are the maturing Christians, we have to examine our lifestyle constantly and ask the question, God, where are my liberties, my freedoms, actually damaging somebody else's potential faith? Because that's what I think it means to live free. Number three, he kind of transitions and he moves into chapter nine. And this is actually where I want to land for a minute. Living free, number three, means voluntarily submitting our rights to Jesus. What does it mean to live free? Okay, great. Jesus has made us free. We are free. But what does it mean to actually live a life of freedom? Number three, it means voluntarily submitting our rights to Jesus. Now remember, this is written by the Apostle Paul, a guy who was one of the most religiously bound up Pharisees of all time. When Jesus came to Paul and, and knocked him off of his horse, and he had his conversion experience where he got saved, he, he received salvation and believed in Jesus. In that it, Paul's previous life was so ugly, so disgusting, because he was so bound up. He was such a slave to religiosity and to following the rules. And when Jesus set him free, I mean, he was free. But in chapter 9, verse 19, look what he says. Even though I am a free man with no master... I have become a slave to all people. Why? To bring many to Christ. Watch this. The Apostle Paul begins to lead us down a train of thought that just because we're free doesn't mean that there are no rules, no restrictions. He says, I, no, I am free, completely free. There's, there's, nothing is my master. No one is my master, but... I willingly make myself a slave. I voluntarily submit my life to Christ so that I can influence people for, for him. I think one of the most powerful things you and I can do for the gospel is voluntarily submit areas of our life to Christ just to be able to connect with people who don't believe in him. One of the, the best illustrations we have in this country is uh, men and women who serve in our military, serve in our armed forces. The men and women who serve in the armed forces of the United States of America do so completely voluntarily. That they voluntarily take their freedoms 
their rights to live in this country and, and shop and eat and raise their kids and be with their spouse and work a job and earn money. They take all of that and they voluntarily set it aside and submit to, to the military and the strict regime and the discipline of the military and all that is, why? To serve our country for you and I. And so, by the way, just real quick, since it's 4th of July, let me just say this. If you are a serviceman or servicewoman, or you are the family member of a serviceman or a servicewoman, we honor you. There is, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Wow. Amen. Wow. And the reason why we honor you is because you have voluntarily laid down the freedoms that every one of us get to have every day to put yourself in harm's way so that we can stay free. And think, that's such a powerful illustration for all of us, and we're so aware of it on a day like today. That's what Paul is talking about here in terms of the gospel. So let me, again, speak to us as Christians for a moment. Where are those areas of our life where we are willing to voluntarily surrender our, our rights or submit our rights to Christ? See, we live in a culture, we live in a world that is built around self-centeredness. We live in a world where you win the game, culturally speaking, when everything in your life caters to make your life easier and better. So we, we live in a world where if you can just get enough money, then you can pay people to do stuff. You can, you, can, you can drive this car. You can live in this neighborhood. You can do. We, we live in a world that's built around making our lives more comfortable and easier. Making us, presumably, free. But what Paul says is that for us as Christians, there is a, a necessity for us to, even in the midst of a world that, that wants to make the end of the game, the, the, the W in the win column, be all about our self-centeredness and making our life more, more pleasurable, more peaceful, more easy, more comfortable, even in a world where that is supposedly the goal and the, the true definition of freedom, even in that world, Paul says, listen, if you want to live free as a Christian, then there are moments in time, there are areas of life where we have to voluntarily Lay some of that down for the sake of others. Let me give you a great illustration of this. And Sarah and Will mentioned it up here just a few minutes ago during announcements. That's fasting. What is fasting? At its simplest level, it is taking a right, three squares a day, and submitting it, surrendering it to God. This, if you, and if you've never fasted, there's a good chance this is a piece of it that you probably haven't understood. One of the most powerful things about fasting is the ability to say, I could eat, I choose not to today. 
That's part of what makes it so powerful. And watch this. Throughout the Bible, we see these, these illustrations where uh, there's this moment of time where we go, in this area of my life, I could spend all of this on me. But I choose not to. I could consume. But I choose to serve. I could eat. But I choose to fast and seek God instead. There's, there's, does that make sense? And so what Paul's trying to get at, and I promise I'm going somewhere. The point four is going to make it all come together. What am I talking about? <laughs> what Paul is getting at right here, you guys, is that for those of us who are spiritually mature, for those of us who are Christians, ultimate freedom includes voluntarily surrendering or submitting our rights in so many areas of our life for the sake of the gospel. And then he, he begins to culminate the whole deal at the end of chapter 9, and the last verse of chapter 9 is really where he kind of just puts all this together in terms of this, of this thought line of, of what it means to live free. And this is number four. Living free means living a disciplined life. Living a disciplined life. Look what verse 27 of chapter 9 says. Paul's writing about this whole idea of what it means to live free. Remember, he's talking about the idol sacrifice. He's doing all of that. Willingly making himself a slave again to, to influence and reach many people for Christ. And then at the end of it all, look what he says. Verse 27. I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should. Otherwise, here's his greatest fear. I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Paul says, listen, if you want to talk about what it means to not just be free, but to live free, then you have to include this concept, this idea of discipline in the equation. Paul says that the most free people on the planet are not those who live without rules, who live without uh, regulations, who live without boundaries. The most free people on the planet are people who live a disciplined life. In other words, Paul is saying, show me a person, show me an area of your life that is not disciplined, and I'll show you an area of your life where you're not free. Show me an area of your life where you are not disciplined, and I'll show you an area of your life where you are not truly free. But that's completely backward to what we think, isn't it? We think that true freedom is no rules, no regulations, no, no restrictions on me, no boundaries. I can do whatever I want, whatever I can eat, whatever I want, all of that. Da, da, da. You and I would say, show me a person who eats whatever they want, whenever they want, all the time. We'll, you'll, I'll show you a person who's not free. That's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, when you want to talk about this idea of what it means to live in freedom in your life, then you must include this concept, this idea of discipline. And if there's any area of our life where we are not disciplined, that is an area of our life where we are indeed not free. The happiest dog in the neighborhood is not the dog with no boundaries. It just runs all over. Listen, no, no, no. The dog that just runs the neighborhood like crazy and causes havoc everywhere and eats everybody's garbage. Listen, that dog is moments from death in my neighborhood. <laughs> so attention, Mr. Neighbor. Not everybody thinks your dog is as cute 
as you do. He's not free. He's a nuisance. The happiest kid is not the kid who has no discipline. Come on. Go with me to Walmart right now. There he is. You and I would look on and go, that is not a free child. That's a child with parents who need to learn how to discipline their kid, right? Right? The happiest child is not the child with no rules and no regulations and no restrictions and no boundaries and just no discipline. That's not a happy child. A happy child is a child with discipline and order and schedule and predictability in their life. That's the child that's free. So watch this. Here's what this means to us. If you and I want to truly live our lives in freedom, then it's not about living with no rules and no restrictions and no guidelines. It's about living in every area of our life, a life of discipline. Some of the most powerful words that you and I can ever say in terms of this idea of of freedom in our life as Christians is this. Ready? Here's how you know you're free in an area of your life. I could. I just choose not to. I could. I just choose not to. You want to know if somebody's truly free? The person who is most free is the person who has the ability to look on and go, I could. I just choose not to. It's true financially. You want to know how how financially free you are? True financial freedom is the ability to say, I could drive that. I choose not to. I could buy that. I choose not to. I could wear that. I choose not to. I could live there. I choose not to. It's true relationally. Single people think about it. The culture says true freedom is go sleep with whoever you want to sleep with. Whenever you can, however you can, because you can. That's freedom, the culture says. A true person, a true free single person is a person who says, I could go sleep with whoever I want whenever I want because I I want. I choose not to. That's freedom. If you want to be free, begin to arrange the areas of your life in such a way that you're able to begin to say more and more frequently, I could... I just choose not to. That is a free person. Where does that come from? It comes from Jesus in the garden. Some of us who are familiar with the story know that when Jesus came to the end of his life, the night before he went to the cross, he was praying in the garden of Gethsemane. And he's agonizing over what God is asking him to do. God is asking him to to willingly lay down his rights, voluntarily submit, willingly go to the cross and, and lay down his freedom by being nailed to a cross and be put to death for the sake of mankind. And the night before Jesus goes to the cross, he's praying alone in this garden. And the disciples are off in the distance. And as he's praying to God, his prayer goes like this. God, 
I know what you're asking me to do. I know what is required of me. God, I know that the plan is that I'm supposed to die on the cross as payment for the sin of fallen mankind. I know the plan. And then Jesus says this, if there is any other way for this to go down, if it's possible for this cup to pass me by, if we can do this any other way, let's do that. Then Jesus says these words to God. Nevertheless, not my will, your will. If ever there was a person who had ultimate freedom to do whatever they wanted to do in that moment, it was Jesus. But he looked on in that circumstance and he said, I could go be free. I could make all of these soldiers go away. I could prefer my freedom to the freedom of the human race. And he had every right to do that. But instead, he said, I could. I just, in this moment, choose not to. Not my freedom, not my will, not my preference, not my comfort. Yours be done. And so he did. Jesus laid down his freedom so that you and I could know what it is to live in freedom as well. So two questions as we close our time together on this 4th of July, Independence Day. Question number one, have, have you reconciled what Jesus did on the cross in your own heart? It's impossible to get this many people together and there are others who are listening or watching online and not have some of us who are far from God, not have some of us who have never put our faith in Jesus. You heard me talk about it earlier in the message. And I want you to know that this Independence Day can be your day of independence from sin. That if you're here today or you're listening today, listen, this is your moment. You can, you can come across that line in your heart today. And it's as simple as praying a prayer. It's as simple as saying, God, I recognize that I am not free. I'm bound by sin. But I embrace and I accept what you did on the cross so many years ago as payment for my freedom. Very simply, if we'll simply pray that prayer, if you'll pray that prayer in your heart today, Jesus will set you free. And this Independence Day can be like no other Independence Day in your life. Can we bow our heads across this room today? And if you're here, nobody moving, nobody talking, this is, this is a sacred moment in God. Listen, if you're here today and you're far from God, you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ like, like I'm talking about. You've never asked Jesus to forgive you and set you free from the bondage of sin. I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. So I'm just here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to just going to Count to three. One, two, three. And when I get to three, in just a moment, I just want you to put your hand up. Listen, I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out. Not, not at all. This is just a private moment between you and God. And if you're here today and you want to put your faith in Christ and ask him to set you free 
from the bondage of sin. He wants to do that today. So all across this room, if that's you, this is your opportunity. One, two, three. Awesome. Wow, thank you. Wow, awesome. Great. Others? Others, once you put it up, you can put it back down. Great, thank you. In the back. Fantastic. Other people. Man, God's dealing with your heart right now. Right now. This is your moment in time. This is your chance to step across that line. Others, we'll just wait just a moment. Man, if that's you, this is your chance to be free in God. That's why Jesus came, to set us free. Thank you. Awesome. Great. Others? Others of you? Yeah, got it. Thank you down front. Awesome. Others of you? Other, you'll just respond at this moment. Just, this is your moment. Say, Matt, I need to be free. Jesus, forgive me of sin. Set me free from sin today. Fantastic. For the sake of so many who have lifted their hands today, can we all across this room, everybody, repeat a prayer together. I want to lead us in a prayer. So, in other words, I want to give, give words to what so many of you who just lifted your hand have been feeling in your heart. Can we do that together? Let, let's pray together. And just all across this room, just repeat this prayer. And if you lifted your hand, if you want to pray that prayer and mean it, just let these words soak in. Let them become your own today as we pray. Come on, let's pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you for Independence Day. Thank you for freedom. Thank you that I can be free. I acknowledge today that I'm a sinner, that I've messed up, that I'm not perfect. And I thank you for dying on the cross to pay the price for my sin. Today, freedom is personal, and I accept it now. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's just clap our hands to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.